welcome to this week's episode of Off the Shelf. My guest this week is Sarah Clark. Sarah is a copywriter who lives in London with her family. Way, way back in 2018, she enrolled in a course with Faber Academy and fell in love with fiction. She particularly likes the dark and twisty kind. Sarah has since signed a three-book deal with HarperCollins HQ Digital and is currently writing her third novel. So welcome to the show, Sarah. Ah, thanks for having me. You are very welcome. And in uh, doing a bit of uh, back and forth emailing before we started, we real well, I realised actually, I haven't told you this yet, that we're from a uh, the same bit of, uh, well, southwest London. Uh, yeah, so you were saying um, that you're writing your third novel and it's based in southwest London, is that correct? It is, yeah. They're, they're all actually based in southwest London. So um, it's yeah, it's nice to be able to kind of walk the street to the place I write about, so. Oh, um, you take, take the South West London out of the girl, but not the South West London out of the book. Yeah, actually, because when I started, book one and two were both, are both based in Southwest London, one sort of more Battersea and the first one, and then Every Little Secret's more kind of Wimbledon area. But my third book, I was going to write in the sort of Henley area and where I kind of near where I grew up. Strong tennis theme. Yeah, and... Um, and yeah, I couldn't, I kind of, I wasn't working at all. And I realised one of the things I needed to change was the location. I kind of needed to, because I felt like I was sort of writing it with a, a sense of the sort of stereotypical sense of a place rather than you can really write about it more authentically, I think. So anyway, well, for me anyway, so, so I changed it to London and it, um, and dramatically made it a lot easier and I think improved it. So it's well, back. we kind of uh, jumped in at the end there, but let's go back to the beginning. So have you always loved to write? I have always loved to write. Yes, I have. Um, right from as a child, I was writing stories um, and generally also quite kind of psychological thriller kind of things that I would write. One time uh, my parents were brought into school because of um, they were concerned about a story I'd written but you know, clearly there was actually nothing wrong. I just had this very vivid imagination from a young age. So um, yeah, so I've always written, I've always written poetry as well as, as prose, um, but it's, yeah. Uh, and as I say, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm turning 50 this year. So it's taken a few, a few decades, um, but I, you know, I, I wasn't completely focused on it the whole time. So um, I have. Well, happy birthday for this year. So, <laughs> You were uh, you know, quite happily going along with your life. I assume having a very lovely time. And it got to 2018 and you thought, I'll take a Faber Academy course. So I've had various guests on here that have done everything from a writing MA to, you know, a one day course like that. What made you, um, I would say, pick up the pen, but I suppose pick up the laptop and join in? Yeah. So, um, so I've been a copywriter for 20 years. So I've always been doing the writing bit but the dream was always to write a book I think you know I had two children and um just finding the time was hard really and in 2018 my youngest started secondary school so it, it was sort of freed up a bit of time because he was going to be you know there longer hours and then you know just both of them growing up a bit so that's why I chose then and I just had a bit of a um now or never moment I don't really believe that is the case but it felt like it at the time so that's why I signed up for it. Interesting. And did you, so I'm aware there's some courses where you go in with a specific idea for a book. Did you start that course with what would become book one in your mind or was it something completely different? 
Well, it's interesting because I had a book in mind that I'd worked through quite in quite a lot of detail. And you because you do apply with a you have to sort of give them a synopsis and um, I can't remember how much, but a little chunk of writing. Um, and I had an idea and then about a day before the the sort of deadline for applying, I just decided that actually, no, I didn't want to do that one. And I spent a day just walking around, coming up with an, a separate idea. And I came up with one and, um, and that's the book that ended up becoming my first book, A Mother Never Lied. So it actually all kind of came to me in a day, um, which of walking around Southwest London. That's so, I mean, that's fascinating. I'm also really interested in how creativity kind of strikes because there's, as far as I see it, two camps of thought. One is you have to make time to write. And then when creativity does strike, you have the discipline to write down the idea. And there's obviously the other train of thought where you just wait for creativity to strike. Uh, where, where do you come down on that? Um, I think that I do make an effort to have creative thought and I'm definitely always better at doing that when I'm either running or walking. Um, for some reason, I just think better from creatively. So if I have to think of a, a plot, um, a pro like if I've got a plot problem that I need solving, I will go for a run or a walk. Or, but and also if I need to kind of come up with some ideas I, I generally do the same thing so it but it doesn't always work you know sometimes or you think it works at the time and you're like yeah that's brilliant that's perfect and then you come back and you sit and you actually write it down and you think actually no there's some holes there so um yeah I see that I actually think the worst thing for my creativity was potentially ironically the invention of the podcast because now when I want to go for a walk or a run I just think oh listen to it and you're right it really inhibits your you need a kind of a clear a clear that's mind really when you're doing that that's actually really interesting because I you know I because I have a dog so I do a lot of walking and I usually listen to audiobooks and book three for me has been towards the end of has been a bit of a challenge and I've actually stopped listening to books for that reason because I just think I need that time to clear my head to actually think of my own book um so yeah that's interesting that you say that yeah I I, I think the modern world is very noisy and I think I've realized long-term listeners will know I set up this podcast as an effort to stop myself procrastinating writing my own book and I think I've realized this world is quite noisy and I, maybe I do need some some peace and quiet to to rest my brain a little bit and think and I think in London as well you know it's it's so busy and you, you forget exactly. some, you there's, always, time. Mm, there's always something going on there's always you know pubs to go to drinks to drink work to do yeah yeah and everyone else is kind of going at the same frenetic pace so you almost don't realize it yeah I had a guest a couple of weeks ago who said she spent a lot of her 20s um, going to the pub and telling people she was writing a book as opposed to actually writing the book <laughs> it's so hard I think because I I have actually twice before tried to write books and just not been able to because it, it's a lot you know it's it's a lot it's of work it, it really is so the Favour Academy course I think for me it was almost the investing in it because I felt once I'd put that money into it then I had to write a book <laughs> it was kind of like you know, to sort of, you know, by by me kind of putting my money into it, then it just would felt well, wasteful if I hadn't finished the book. If that makes sense. No, it does entirely make sense. And you've obviously touched on the fact you have 
um, slightly older children. So in terms of write in your day, how do you structure your writing? Do you, I mean, I don't know if you have, have a full-time job that you write around or do you like to write in the mornings or the evenings? What's your secret? I'm not sure there's a secret. I, um, I, <laughs> Actually, I think the secret, the secret is just sitting down and doing it. Yeah, I think for me, it's probably setting targets, I think. So being a freelance copywriter, I am used to writing to deadlines. And I'm also used to, if I haven't got much work on, not really achieving very much. I'm genuinely more effective when I'm busy. Um, and I actually am like quite good at hitting deadlines. So I set myself deadlines on my own writing. You know, I have to do X number of words or X number of chapters or, you know, whatever it is by a certain time. And if I have that deadline, then I, I kind of do generally hit it. So it's all about self, you know. Yeah, self-discipline. Yeah, I think just because I've had to, because I've been, I did, I worked um, agents with, for an agency for, quite a few years but since 2014 I've been freelance as a copywriter so I've had to have that self-discipline anyway so it's just kind of worked sort of over in book world yeah that's so interesting okay and as I said you're currently working on your third novel um as you said you've also set it in southwest London mm -hmm. are your yeah. are your three books kind of in a series are they related so they're not related. Um, no, there's not the same, not the same characters, but they are all sort of family-based psychological thrillers. Mm. The, are there the any characters that appear in any any of your books that you that you would ever write about again? Is there someone that you can't get out of your head? So in my second book, there are two characters who are kind of not the main characters in the book um, but I think that they need developing so I would like to write a sequel to every little secret that kind of develops their relationship and their what sort of happens between them because I feel like it was a bit unresolved so yeah. the main characters kind of, that got resolved but not these two extra characters so I would like to write a sequel and actually a few reviews I've had have said oh because I kind of leave on a well, I shouldn't really say this should I but there's a bit of a cliffhanger and a few reviews have said oh I wonder if there's a sequel which has kind of fed my own sort of desire to write one so that might be um the coming up hopefully <laughs> well let's hope so and as I said in the intro you signed your book deal in March 2021 so about a year ago now did yeah. you have a fa fabulous, fantastic balloon cake champagne book launch, or was it still in the virtual world? So it was in the virtual world, but because I'm with a digital publisher, I think most of them are anyway. I'm not sure how much that was to do with lockdown and how much was to do with just the general, um, you know, just that's the way the sort of digital publishers work. Um, I had an actually really great day because I went to lots of different locations in the book and sort of did like a kind of mini blog on Instagram with oh, all the different, cool. different places and stopped from breakfast. And so I actually had a really nice day and I got nice lovely flowers and stuff. So I did feel, you know, it felt yeah. like, a, like a like a launch day. So that was good. Oh, that sounds so lovely. So moving on to the real reason we're here, you've chosen 
your top five favourite books. So the first book you've chosen is your favourite book as a child. Please tell us which book it is and why you loved it so much. So it's a very well-known book, but it's Little Women, um, which I I read very young, really. And I absolutely fell in love with the the sister. I didn't I've never had a I don't have a sister. I've got a brother. Um, but just to have that sibling relationship and just that sort of, I think this, I don't know, the simplicity of life. Um, I just, yeah. I, and I, I think the American theme as well, you know, I was sort of living in Buckinghamshire at the time and it all felt quite, um, you know, different. Uh, and, and I, but I just remember still now how upset I was when Beth got, got, got sick in the book and how I was just, inconsolable <laughs> while she was ill so um it just I think it just shows it just reminds me how powerful books can be how you can really feel for the characters and feel that they're real even though yeah, you're know, in a different country and a different time obviously as well so um I think that's that's why I I mean I'm sure there were lots of books I loved as a child but I, that's the one that sticks with me because of how it made me feel emo- on an emotional level yeah, I was actually really surprised you'd pick this book because I actually have never read the book because I watched uh, the film version the from somewhat, sometime in the early 90s with uh, Kirsten Dunstan. And it was just so miserable that I was like, I don't want to read this book. It's so sad. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's funny, isn't it? I, I don't remember reading it. I probably, you know, I don't, as in I don't remember what happened, a lot of it, if you don't, I just, I just remember how I felt and how... Mm. I kind of wanted, I wanted to live with them. I wanted to be their sister, but you're right. I mean, you kind of, when you read the plot, you think, oh, that's actually quite a lot of bad stuff happens. But I think it, there, there must've been some lots of sort of light and sh- I do, I like books that have got light and shade in them. And I, rem- ah. I think have that in it. So I haven't actually reread it. Oh, I mean, it won't surprise you to know that I've had a few few guests come on and pick this book. So every time someone picks it, I do think, okay, maybe I should give it another go. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to say p- please do, but I'm hoping, you know, when you have one perception as a child, it's very different. There was a, another book that I read as a, tra- when I was tra- traveling in my teenage years, and I remember thinking it was brilliant and I'd recommend it to people. And then I read it myself about f- 15 years later and I was like, this is rubbish. <laughs> so, um, you know, sometimes a book, it's, it's almost the sort of surroundings you're in that you remember being brilliant. And then, um, yeah, or you read it at the right moment in your life as opposed to anything else. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's so but, yeah, giving a go. It's not very long. Oh, it's no. Okay. Okay. Maybe, maybe you're selling it to me more now. So, <laughs> moving on to the second book you've chosen. And this is the book everyone should read. Now, just before you talk about this book, uh, long-time listeners will know that I did my own version of, uh, of you know, an episode of Off the Shelf, and this was actually one of the books that I picked, and I, I'm so glad to meet a fellow lover of this book. So please tell us which book you've chosen and why everyone should read it. Well, it's called Invisible Women by I, sorry, Caroline Criado Perez. Yes, I, I think know. that's right, yeah. It is just an absolutely eye-opening I mean it's a what's that sorry it will blow your mind it will absolutely blow your mind it's so it's so well researched I mean on you know 
you have to just take your hat off to her to have found all that information and put it together in such a sort of, you know, because there's an awful lot of facts in there, isn't there? Um, but she manages to kind of have a, like a strong sort of theme through the whole book as well. So I think it's incredibly well written. But yes, I mean, and just brilliant when you have, I've got a son and a daughter. And so being able to, ex- to explain to them both at the same time how this sort of, sometimes unconscious, sometimes conscious bias, uh, you know, is so prolific across every industry and every, you know, sort of culture and group and stuff is, is you know, it's, it's as I say, everyone should read it, as you probably agree. Yeah, no, completely agree. I recommend it to everyone, everyone I speak to. I'm like, here's a fun fact for you. Um, yeah, could not agree more. I actually I think it should be recommended reading in schools. I think there's so many things in there that people should be aware of. But I also think nowadays people are working to correct it or kind of look into the gaps in that the book identifies. And yeah, I could not agree with you more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it just, you know, you think that women's rights have, have improved so much and they have. So, but it's, you, you know, you're in danger of becoming, um, you know, the thinking, oh yeah, but it's fine and we're much more equal. And then you, you read things like that and you realize how that's just not the case. And it's still a really important kind of sort of issue to, to address for everyone. Um, and yeah. like you know, I said, yeah. everyone's t- everyone needs to read it. Not what you're doing right now, pause this podcast, go buy it and read it. Cause it would just blow yeah. your mind. <laughs> I'm just really trying to get my dad to read it. That would be a real coup, but he hasn't, yeah. he hasn't, uh, hasn't done it yet. <laughs> so the third book you've chosen is the book that made you cry. Please tell us which book you've chosen and why. It's A Thousand Splendid Sons, and I absolutely loved it. I loved The Kite Runner, and then I read The Thousand Splendid Sons afterwards, you know, because I thought this is he's obviously a brilliant writer. But it was just, to me, it was a whole nother level. And I don't know if it's because it was women. And I also absolutely amazing that he could write so brilliantly about a mother-daughter relationship, essentially. Um, And just, yeah, I I just thought their, their strength of character, their relationship, how they, and just the suffering they went through as well. Um, And somehow managing to end on the positive with the positive out of all of that sort of you know desperation and and being so badly treated by so many different men was you know I just thought it was an amazing book but I do um I often read at the gym because I sit on the bike and I read at the on my kindle at the gym and I was sitting on the bike sobbing <laughs> this book oh. me thinking why is that girl crying on the bike is it that painful <laughs> so yeah <laughs> well, I think that's maybe I remember crying so much. <laughs> we'll see. Now, as you said, this author Khalid Husseini. I hope I said that right. Um, no, I'm so names. <laughs> yeah, so it's very well known, and he wrote A Thousand Splendid Sons. And I actually haven't read that, but I read his other book, which you touched on, um, The Kite Runner, which again is uh, very sad in places. So I can completely see how you were sobbing on the treadmill, or sorry, the bike. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would definitely recommend it. I think for me, I I, I preferred it. It was my the, the one I, li- I liked it better than the cut room, but nothing against the cut room. That was also very good. But I think it was because it was more female 
um, orientated and just amazed that he could write that. So, um, yeah, it's... Well, you're really I actually think my mum's one of those books my mum's had on the shelf for about 20 years and I've never never read it oh, okay I definitely recommend it if you if as long as you're okay with a sad story yeah well maybe maybe I don't know depends um <laughs> no. it depends what mood I'm in I suppose uh so the fourth book you've chosen is a book by your favorite author so please tell me which book you've chosen and why so I've chosen um, Beneath the Skin um, by, um, oh my goodness, sorry. It's Nikki French. Nikki French, which is two people. Um, and it, I like Nikki French in, um, in, in with lots of her books. So she's got the Frida Klein series of books, which is uh, one of the reasons. So she's one of, I put her down as one of my favorite authors. This is in my genre because I was aware that the books that I've chosen so far, none of them are actually in psychological thrillers. So I thought I should probably pick one. And she's, I just, or she, he, that as a partnership, uh, I think they very, always very good. The really reliably good, atmospheric, good twisty plots, good characters. But Beneath the Skin was one, I think, for some reason sort of stuck out for me as being a really good book. And it had the sort of stalker element. It had three women who essentially seemed to be very different, but were linked through the stalker. And it was just a really, it was a good plot, good characters, really interesting readers, also based in London. Um, so, you know, for me, that was quite helpful. And yeah, I, as I say, I read it a few, few years ago. I always think it's a sign of a good book when you remember something for quite mm, a long time. I agree, a lot. Yeah. And um, you're as old as I am. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know if you've have you read it. No, I haven't. And I was actually really fascinated when you chose this book because I Googled the author expecting to find an author, singular. But you're right, it's authors plural. I've never heard of two people writing in a team like that. Mm, I know. And I didn't know that for ages that they were. And then when I found out, I just thought, that's, I mean, I don't know. I don't actually know how they do it. I just find the whole thing as a writer. I, you know, I've heard of, you know, a few kind of, sort of duo teams I just can't I really can't understand how that how it works how do they write each characters you know different characters or I don't know it's really interesting no, I don't know and I well I'm, I can't speak for every every writer but I have a feeling a lot of writers like they're writing their own way it's not really a negotiation and I think your your characters become a lot of you think the same but characters become alive so you almost have conversations with your characters at any time during the day or night and you think about what they're going to do and so to have the characters sort of have to sit outside of your own head in the sense that you're sharing them I find yeah it's really interesting but it clearly works because they do and and so writing is quite a lonely experience and so and so that you do have that kind of self-doubt. So having someone mm. there to boost you all the time feels like a good thing. I also think it would be nice to have someone to talk to about it that's quite involved. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can hack out like plot points or, or figure something out on your own head. So if, because sometimes when I'm discussing things with my friends, I have to give them like, I start with the infamous long story short. <laughs> yeah. We, I have my daughter who is 17. She is, she's got like, I think it's because she's young, but she's just got this 
brain that can just absorb information. So she'll say, okay, tell me from the beginning. And I kind of just talk her through and she's like, okay. And, and she sort of knows it all straight away. And then she'll, you know, suggest things or even as you're talking it through, then you, it, things become clearer, don't they? But um, so I'm maybe, she's just, maybe she's just much cleverer than we are. <laughs> she's definitely cleverer than me. That's, that's um, although she's doing maths, physics and chemistry A-level. So she's... Oh, hearing. God, she's much cleverer than we are. <laughs> we are definitely well into the humanities. But yeah. moving on to your final book, the book that has stayed with you. Now, I'd never heard of this author. I'd never heard of this book. I don't know how, because when I researched it in advance, it has its own Wikipedia page for crying out loud. So please tell us which book you've chosen and why. So it's called the Gla it's called Glass Castle by Jeanette Walls, and it is a, a brilliant book in itself. But also, the most amazing thing is that it's an autobiography or autobiographical. Much um, she is a sort of um, famous. Um, she's a TV journalist or presenter or something in America, and uh, she um, didn't tell anybody about her past until she wrote this book. And basically, she came from a very, very um, sort of deprived background, but also quite crazy background in the sense that her dad was super clever, but had an alcohol issues. They were, and then a gambling issues, and they were sort of homeless, and then living in caravans, and then living in little Shetland kind of shacks, I think. And she's just had this very difficult childhood from a money point of view and from a, a very sort of chaotic upbringing, but with a lot of love in the family. And she's got siblings and so on. And she's from that kind of pulled herself up and managed to sort of develop a you know really successful career and I think it does because it does highlight in the book that America it doesn't have there's not not a massive safety net you know if you are no, there isn't. or background sort of thing so she uh she sort of did that herself so it's it's kind of like an it's a really good book in itself like just really interesting book but then to have the added element that it's actually someone's life history is also makes it extra special I think I mean, it's actually the one of your books. I was like, I must go out and, and buy this tomorrow and read it. She sounds so fascinating. And like I said, the book has its own Wikipedia page. I mean, come on now. Yeah, it's, it's quite good, isn't it? I that's mean, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the dream to write a book. <laughs> so amazing. It has its own Wikipedia page. <laughs> well, then you could just set up your own Wikipedia page and then you could have one. I mean, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe, but that might be <laughs> cheating a little bit. But anyway, thank you so much for choosing your five books. Of the five books you've chosen, uh, which one is your number one favourite, Couldn't Live Without? I'm going to have to say oh, A Thousand Splendid Sons. Ooh, okay, interesting. I thought I actually thought you were going to go for Little Women. I, well, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Choosing five is really hard. Choosing one is pretty yeah. much impossible but it was how many people I've asked and they've said which is the longest book I'll go for that one <laughs> well actually probably a thousand planet sounds probably is the longest so there you go um yeah but yes yeah. thank you very much thank for you. coming on if um listeners so much for having me it's been really good thank you you're very welcome if listeners have enjoyed hearing from you where, where else can they find out more about you so I have a website sarahclarkauthor.com with. And just to clarify that, Sarah and then Clark with an E, so C-L-A-R-K-E. Yes, and then author.com. Excellent. Thank you so much. And as we said, 
your first book is out is your second book out second book is out in ebook and then launches in paperback on the 28th of april oh that's so exciting congratulations and i hope you get to have the book launch of dreams thank you very much thanks phoebe very welcome thank you so much sarah take care